Well, welcome, guys. Thank, Thank you, you for, for having us. Yeah. Well, thanks we for having it. us. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. This is what it's meant to be. It's yeah. a great day. It's a great place to get together. Beautiful space. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous space. I walked in. I was like, damn, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Th well, this, this is a beautiful catamaran. It's 58 feet long. It's, as you can tell, it's got four staterooms or bedrooms. Beautiful galley kitchen right there. Nice little private dining area. It's a boat like this is about, you know, almost two million bucks. So I guess just to open it up, I have both of you guys just uh, introduce yourselves and kind of explain what you guys do and what you guys got going right now. Well, actually, so my name is Chef Heyman. I'm Lucas. And what we do is we actually curate experiences, culinary experiences aboard yachts. So it's an idea that started with me in 2014. And I bought a boat because I was going through a divorce. <laughs> I had to get away from my ex. So we bought this boat and... Uh, and I very soon realized that, you know, all boats were not the same. They're very beautiful. I managed to go into different boats when I was in the marina. I got to introduce a lot of boaters and look at the interior of their boats. And I, it just reminded me of an amazing private dining room, a very self-contained mini restaurant, if you like. And it'd be amazing to have people to come on board and experience chefs preparing food for them pairing wine that you could actually we don't sell the wine so we have you buy the wine we could pay amazing quality wines top flight wines for next to nothing that you pay in a restaurant uh, seven eight hundred bucks or a thousand bucks you could have all of this on board this boat and mm -hmm. uh, or any other boat and that's what that idea fueled in me and moving forward i just started doing it and i i have to thank airbnb for for first curating these experiences i put on airbnb because they were hot company at that time mm -hmm. and that's how it started and guests would book overnight stays I had overnight stays before but then I soon realized that if you have a boat that's tied up on an overnight stay and you pay 350 bucks that's it you're tied up for 21 hours at least and three hours <laughs> worth of cleaning but if you had for the boat owner and the marina it's a way for them to share revenue if you had a guest that came aboard and paid even um, $120 and you had six guests, that's seven hundred, double the money. Mm -hmm. And that way, boat owner gets to share and keep his boat and maintain well. The marina has a source of revenue. They have docks that need to be replaced. I mean, I'm an avid boater. So to me, it's the environment is, you know, I, I love the environment. I love the ocean. I love the sea. I love sailing. And it's very harsh. And it's been declining and declining and maybe this is a way to help everyone out so i love right. the business model because everyone wins right the, it the, is the marina wins the the boat owners win and then of course the chefs win you well, get to I, get I, get outside of that like restaurant environment and kind of really curate and create your own space so well, i think that's awesome I, i'm glad you said that I, I don't really think it's just about us too it's about the guests and the customer okay because yep. they absolutely win i mean imagine going to a french course you know seven course out in say atelier Crenn. I mean, you're gonna drop five, six hundred dollars of wine pairing per person. Mm -hmm. Here we don't we don't sell the alcohol. We don't want to engage in that aspect of, of the uh, you know uh, IRS and all that. So yeah. we tell guests we'll pay the food for you. Go get yourself a top flight bottle of wine, eighty or hundred dollar bottle of wine, which would cost you five, six hundred bucks in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. You have this amazing meal. Your wine's next to nothing, shared among you know all your friends and your loved ones. And you can make a ton of noise. It's a boat. It's yours. <laughs> yeah. You can walk around. You can boogie. You can do whatever you want to do. And the chefs will be cooking and going like, wow, look at these guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's amazing, actually. So I think it's a win-win for customers, too. 
definitely. Customers turn to clientele. Yeah. They come back as repeat guests, right? I'm already I'm already booking my next one with you right now. I'm like <laughs> thinking about it like, I'm going to bring my girl here. We're going to, you know, so it's, it's awesome. I mean, we had, we had a guest who brought his wife. I mean, amazing. He booked the whole thing. He just says, I'm going to book the whole thing for six guests. I just, it's her birthday and I just want to give her a wow time. So we made everything for them. They just like, oh, they couldn't believe it. And, and, and it's not necessary. He wanted to do that. But, yeah. you know, if you were to book two guests, I'd still feed you for two guests and I'll give you an experience that you can't believe. You know, Chef Luca's the same thing. We've been around the block a few times. We worked in several countries. So we know what we're doing. And I think moving forward, it's a win-win for everyone. And how did you guys two get uh, paired up? So I met Heyman in July of 2022. Uh, I was just finishing up opening a restaurant in Half Moon Bay. And, uh, you know, over the weekend, I was just, I went on Craigslist and I seen an ad for Yacht Chef. Mm -hmm. So I kind of clicked onto a response. Heyman shot me an email and I shot him back an email. He goes, Hey, let's set up, uh, let's meet together and uh, set up uh, a four course tasting dish. So, you know, we could see where, you know, what kind of food you do and if it kind of fits the concept. So I was like, okay. So uh, we did, a, I met Hame in Alameda here and uh, we had the tasting. Uh, I had a small little printed menu. So basically my background is Middle Eastern with Greek and Asian inspired food. And I did the courses for Heyman, and Heyman fell in love. And then we clicked, we clicked from him, became best of friends. And, you know, going throughout, you know, the months, we, uh, you know, started promoted. Heyman signed, we signed the contract. Heyman promoted me to uh, culinary director of Get Zinia. And here I am. That's awesome. Amazing. Yeah, you know, so the thing is, as a, you know, I, li I like to tell people this story. When, when you open a restaurant, when a chef opens a restaurant and puts his time and effort and, and invests all that money, believe me, it's, it's going to be in the millions if you want to open that type of classic restaurant, right? A class act, a mission type, so you're spending millions of bucks. So you have all these chefs, they call the shots because they invested it, it's their restaurant, they put the menu forward and then they hire all these sous chefs or assistant chefs and all the you know, personnel in the kitchen. But if you work in some of these top fine dining restaurants like French Laundry and all these other places, you are learning from all these amazing chefs combined with your own experience. You're gonna think like, oh my God, your ideas just multiply, right? Yeah. And you just, you're on fire. So to me, it's just like, yeah, I'd like to take these chefs, put them together and say, this is your restaurant. You don't have to spend millions. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a small percentage you pay, but to the boat owner, the marina, but the rest of it, you guys get to curate. And here's what it is. I am only, and I told Luca, I'm only concerned with one thing. And he goes, what is it? I, I tasted your food, it's fine. I'm only concerned about your leadership skills. Because at this point, it's all about you. Mm -hmm. It's now your restaurant. It is now your livelihood. It's how you're gonna maintain that level up there from all the people you have learned that are mission restaurants, the mission rated restaurants, mission rated uh, res uh, you know, chefs. How do you maintain that? 
it's only holding yourself accountable. It's only holding yourself responsible to your guests and everything else and maintaining that. So it's about your leadership skills. So that's what I'm really, really concerned about. Because it's, they're chefs and they are chefs. <laughs> you know, so I'm looking for that creme de la creme, uh, sh potential sous chefs and potential uh, wannabe exec chefs mm -hmm. who've got all these experience, have got all these amazing, amazing talent. Mm -hmm. And this company, Xenia, and Yard Experiences, we are not telling you what to do. Because as part of your leadership skills, I would assume you already know what to do. Mm -hmm. It's just painting the details, getting it all down, hammering it down, packed so you know that your guest coming in is just going to have a wow experience. I mean, Tra Travis yeah. is an example. He came over and he just like, wow. <laughs> his girlfriend booked, Abigail booked, and it's something very unique. Yeah. I mean, I saw his face, yeah. and I saw all the <laughs> other guests' face who came on board because they can't believe that they could have an experience like this. And I, why not? Mm -hmm. Is, is this something new? Is this something revolutionary? I, I don't think so because there's always charter companies that have catering going on. Yeah. But I think what we're doing is uh, we are a tech company foremost. We are, we are a tech company because we're building a tech platform to wrap all of these on that tech platform so you have a payment gateway. You can curate your experience. You can post photos. You have connections with your social media on this tech platform. So it is tech first. Mm -hmm. And then it is moving forward, it's going to be your leadership skills, your talent, and he's going to display it for all these paying residents. And it's going to be something amazing. Being like an outsider looking in, um, obviously, I've never worked in a Michelin star restaurant. I've dined in a few and I think it's next level and the experience is amazing. Um, but I'm sure there's not too much creative control as far as a, a chef that works at one of these restaurants, right? You have the, the top chef yeah. and they tell you. So you have an executive chef, which is the guy that's responsible for everything. You have a chef de cuisine, which is second in command. Mm -hmm. He's, so basically, if the chef leaves, the executive chef, it's the chef de cuisine that's the boss. Then you have like two sous chefs. Then you have chef de parte, which is basically the guy that kind of controls the line, like a lead line cook. Then you have garmage, which is basically the salad station and hot apps. Okay. And then, you know, you have your prep guys and you have your dishwashers. So basically, like... Before a chef, like a sous chef or chef cuisine or, you know, anything happening, wants to put a dish on, the chef has to, uh, uh, the chef has a plan, uh, um, when, uh, the chef has to plan um, a menu, basically, and ask them, what do you want, what are you cooking, what do you want to present, and everybody all has to taste, and they have to see if this dish will go on the menu, gotcha. and if everybody approves, and it goes on the menu. If it doesn't, the chef might want to tweak it and add some adjustments to it. Mm -hmm. Well, he, he's coming from a very democratic side of the kitchen, right? <laughs> because some of the kitchens that I worked in Europe, you have one guy. He is yeah. the general. He's Napoleon Bonaparte. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's going to tell you what to do because, you know, his reputation's on the line. He comes in, he tastes, he doesn't like it, grabs yeah. it, throws it. I mean, I've wow. worked in kitchens like that where in, in Europe growing up at that time, even in England, it was brutal. You know, you have one guy and it's it, half the time you're petrified of the guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, I so say it was not a learning environment. It's like <laughs> he tells you, you go, you nod your head and you get it yeah. done. So it's nothing democratic. We have still kitchens like that over here where there's one guy and he's ruling it and this is how he does it. It's his menu. You do it this way. He tells you the recipes and you follow it to a T and yeah. you have those. And then you have other chefs, other more, I would say the younger chefs, a little more collaborative. Yeah. 
they like to collaborate with you, they like to, you know, coax you, leadership. I mean, I like that. Even though I've worked in those kitchens, uh, I prefer a collaborative environment. That's why I, I would rather taste something that you do, taste it and go like, wow, this is amazing. Why would I want to change this? Yeah. Run with it. Yeah. If this is the best you can do, go for it. I mean, I know taste. I know what I'm looking for and I, because I, I eat out a lot, so I know yeah. what I'm looking for. Is when I eat out, I'm just a guest. I don't really critique because people ask me the question, do you ever critique a restaurant? I go, not really, and they go, why? I go, because I know what it takes to do it back there. Mm -hmm. No matter if it's a top flight restaurant or what's an average restaurant, or even a lousy restaurant, they're busting their butts back there, yeah. right? It's just, it's who's guiding them, yeah. who's influencing them. So I'd rather look at it as a collaborative environment where you actually work with everyone else. And um, moving forward, everyone feels good about what they do. Yeah. When you feel good and you're happy, guess what? Happy chefs, happy food, yeah. everything tastes good, yeah. everything clicks. Yeah. Well, I think a big part of it too, that's a, a big win for the chefs, mm. and you guys could probably definitely speak to this, is in a traditional kitchen, you're stuck behind a wall. Yeah. You can't see yes. when that, once the food leaves the line, you, all you can get is some feedback possibly from the server and half the time the server's so busy that it's like, oh yeah, whatever, they liked it. Yeah. But, yeah. but with this, it's like you're only a few feet away from the people as they get the food in front, as they take their first bite, and Absolutely. as they finish the plate. You get to see the whole experience, like you said, on my face as we're tasting this stuff. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's not just on our end, but I always look at the customer, the guest end, our clientele. When, when, where can you actually find an environment where you're this close with a chef? You have a thousand questions, they'll give you a thousand answers. Yeah. They're there to have a symbiotic relationship with you, which is very, very like novel. Yeah. Uh, you get to see, I mean, a anyone wants a recipe? Yeah, I'll show you, I'll email it to you, even though I'm neglecting some people right now saying that I need to go back to them and send them. Uh -huh. uh, Micah, for one, Micah Johnson, I, need, I owe you that, the fasulia <laughs> lamb, so I'll send it to you. But uh -huh. here's the thing, where can you find an environment where you really can ask all these you know, cooking questions, culinary questions, techniques and all that? It's so interactive. It really is. Uh, it is, you know, it's, I like to say it's 100% driven by the guest. Mm -hmm. The guest is in the seat. As I said, you want to get up and dance? Go. You want to go out in the front of the boat and do a jig? Go for it, right? Yeah. And then you come back and taste something. And you, you, where can you do that in a restaurant? You yeah. can't get yeah, up. You're you sitting can. there and you're just like, you know, everyone else around you is all quiet and quietly eating their dinner. But this is an interactive environment. You're boating. This, yeah. That's why I like to promote boating and food. It's, it's a different, different time. And also, too, the customers get to experience a little about us and, like, you know, when we come, we put the plates with the dishes on, we explain it, oh, what inspired you to do this? So you just give them little small bounds and details of, oh, this is what we did, this is what's in it, and like, and when they see that reaction in their face, it's just, it's, it's, it's just like a spark. Mm -hmm. You know, they get really excited. It's like, you know, what you guys were talking about, like, when you guys came on board, right? Just like if you got like a Ferrari or something, like a new car, you're gonna get that like- That rush. Like, yeah. Rush, that yeah. enjoyment, yeah. So that's that's how, you know, we see things, we see, we always, it's always the customer's base first, and it's always like, you know, that little jog of their head, or they're like, mm, you know, that's great, that's awesome. You know, that's like, that's the, that's like more of the motivation, kind of the body language that we, we, we see when people experience this kind of uh, fine dining stuff. It is, and I have to mention this, because as you said, it's a wall, right? Yeah. Uh, the thing about the wall is we don't know what's actually happening on the other mm -hmm. side because the w waiter or the server is so busy. But here, I mean, believe me, I have cooks are waiting. 
And they go like, <laughs> they're looking at me and go like, oh. what do they think? Because they did it. They want to know how is it. And then just to get in an answer, and when someone comes back, says like, oh, the restaurant manager comes back, say like, oh, table eight, 12, loved it. Mm. You see these guys' face, because they prepared it. Oh, they just blossom. Mm. They just have smiles, <laughs> high-fiving, you're like, yeah. And of course, a little comrade, like, hey, my food's better than your food. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's, that's kitchen work. That's what they live for, right? Yeah. And, but this one, you get to interact immediately. Yeah. You get to see, you can come up and actually take photos, take videos, yeah. and you can ask and question. We can put a little teaspoon in mouth to try this. Yeah. You're like, oh, wow, what's that, right? Yeah. All that's possible because it's, it, it's, it's human communication, it's yeah. human connection. Yeah. That's really, really important. It's guest connection, chef's connection. It is human connection. We all want the same thing. We enjoy that. We love to be loved. Yeah, yeah. we thrive yeah. for food, you know, anything. Like what you guys are doing too. Yeah. yeah we can like, I can look at your faces. You guys were just like so happy trying to set up. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. to set up here, yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, can't wait till you start eating these courses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we love to. I mean, it, it, seriously, we like to conduct, we like to do a first course. So you can actually tell me mm -hmm. how it is, ask all the questions, we'll go forward. If you're good for that, we'll do something. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Well, right? Definitely. Yeah, sounds Sweet. good. Of course. So the first course, it's going to be kind of decadent. Sounds good to me. Oh, there we go. <laughs> if, if you're going to be on a boat, that's like almost two million bucks. It's got to be decadent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take that. Yeah, for sure. Well, and you were saying that you were uh, partnering with a, a caviar company as well for caviar yes, we experiences. We, we partner with our partner that's uh, the caviar company. They've been incredible folks to work with, actually. And so we get really top flight caviar. Uh, they're a premier caviar company. Nice. Started by two sisters, actually. Oh, wow. So you said your wife pushed you to the sea? Well, I mean, she was just, when we were separated, it was just hounding me, right? Yeah. And uh, just, I just wanted to get away because you know how it is. It's emotional in a divorce and a separation you're leading to a divorce. It was so emotional. Of course. I just wanted to ground myself. Then a very good friend said like, hey, isn't it time for you to buy a boat? You always wanted to do it. Kids are bigger. You know, if your marriage is not working out, why don't you look at it? And I go, what a capital idea. So I bought that boat and she was trying to get a hold of me. <laughs> I've been trying to get a hold of you. No Where reception. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the house. She goes, the house is up for sale, girl. I'm not this, I own that house. It's up for sale. She goes, where do you live? I goes, I just bought a boat. She goes, well, <laughs> you bought a boat? I goes, why on earth for? Maybe that's why I'm divorcing you. So dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so, go, well, so after you bought that boat, you know, how long until this whole business motto and this whole plan kind of came along? Uh, in five months. Okay. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Wow. I, I just jumped on it. That's quick. That's yeah, awesome. it is. And were you out there fishing and like finding your own stuff, or were you just like, I got a kitchen on here, I kind of make my own thing and figure it out? Like, what, what was the mindset behind it? No, I, I just, I mean, I just looked at it and I go like, hey, because in that five months, I had a lot of friends come on board. Yeah. Like, hey, Heyman's got a boat. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what we're doing this weekend. Right. So when they come on board, they spend. It was a huge boat. You can look at it. It's PennyLaneYacht.com. Yeah. It's three bedrooms with three bathrooms, right? It's like 1,400 square foot of living space. Wow. And so when, when, when friends come on board, they all had their own bedroom. Couples had their own bedroom. Yeah. We used to cruise up to, uh, you know, right at the Fort Mason. Yeah. Drop anchor at the city of San Francisco, wow. uh, Marina. 
we'd have the like a fleet week. We'd stay there for three or four days. I mean, we had our own boats. We'd get off the boat, go party in Chestnut, come back and you know party again. It, yeah. was, just, it was great. But through all of this, the constant was I always cooked. Yeah. So Hamer was cooking this, Hamer was cooking that, and so they loved it. And that's why I came in. They goes like, hey, you should do it all these other boats. Boom. A, fr a good friend of mine said that. I goes, you're right. Uh, and I goes, I was toying about it because I've been in a few boats and they all look like mini private dining rooms. Yeah. And that's how it started. Actually. I'm looking but, at Penny Lane right now and it is it is beautiful. I will yeah. tell you. Wow. Look at that, man. And you were talking to me earlier about, you know, when people own when they buy their first boat, it lasts for five years. And most of most boat owners only keep it for five years. Five years. Can you talk yeah. about like what goes into, you know, why that's that way. Because it's uh, boat ownership is an expensive proposition. The bigger the boat, the bigger the cost. That's basically how people look at it, and uh, it is it is a lot of money mm -hmm. uh, just to own that. Yeah. I mean, that boat that I had cost me about nineteen hundred dollars a month. Oh wow! You know, so I mean, lucky I made good money and I yeah. did that. It was nineteen hundred bucks a month. It was it was it was a crazy amount of dollars actually. What's that word that you taught me? Boat. What does that mean? Oh, uh, boat. Yeah. B O A T. Break out another thousand. <laughs> <laughs> break out another thousand. Oh, man. Yeah, that That's my funny. old boss, John Marshall, was a food and beverage director. He's a boat owner here. He has his boat is out here in Grand Marina. He goes, "Wow, well, Heyman, boat. B O A T. Break out another thousand. I go, "Too right, man." Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> you need to make T-shirts to say that. Yeah, <laughs> break out another thousand, boat owner. That's awesome. Well, I think that's the awesome thing too that even even Abigail and I when we left we're like we should buy a boat you know because you're making it more affordable yeah now, right because the thing about a boat ownership it's about maintenance it's about meeting your instruments meeting the slip costs and all that well if we do this and we have a good amount of customers and clientele booking on this it's a shot in the arm for the whole industry mm. after COVID it was decimated yeah so right now we're providing employment for chefs other food service folks, they could set up their own business. They could do this part-time and make good money, yeah. right? We're also giving a shot to the marina, to the boat owner, clean up your boat. You have a great, amazing boat. Why don't you clean it up and yeah. maintain that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, if it's revolutionary, yeah, it is kind of rev rev revolutionary. It's, it's, it's not something new. It's just, I think we perfected something that was yeah. been around. We just put the pieces together yeah. to make it more uh, affordable, to make it more dynamic, user-friendly. And I think that's where we came from. Because yeah. I was going to say, I, for sure, during the pandemic, I mean, it had to be really rough for chefs in general because we can't go out and, and, and spend money on food and you guys can't do what you're great at and what you live for. So, like, kind of having this where, we, you know, we don't need your restaurant, you know, or you guys don't need a restaurant. You guys can actually make it happen on a boat and give away more of a personal experience i think that's yeah i mean it's awesome. it's um it's it's an awesome thing i mean like you know pandemic was really hard on the restaurant business like almost like 60 percent deficit business mm -hmm. like went out because a lot of majority the customer clientele was tech guy companies you know instagram was there yeah. facebook uh slack and so you know they would just come by and just get one bite that was like basically san francisco was like becoming the new silicon valley mm -hmm. that's what it was and after pandemic happened kind of businesses went down. I mean, we went from like 100% down to like, probably like 40%. Wow. So like it really hurt us, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was a shocker. I mean, you know, a lot of restaurants probably almost maybe like the first year about 45 restaurants closed down in San Francisco. Wow. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, San Francisco suffered the most. I mean, if you look at it, you know, our moneymaker was more of clientele. Mm -hmm. But, you know, other chefs, um, you know, like, give you an example, like Benu, like Corey Lee, he's, he used to work with Tom's Cut French Laundry. Like, those high-end chefs had clientele. So they had, they had a steady restaurant. I mean, but, you know, the, the most, you know, shocking thing for us was just laying off our cooks. Because, mm. you know, most of them are Hispanic. It's dominant in the kitchen. Yeah. Hispanics, you know, Mexican, Salvadorian, Guatemalan, indoors. You know, those guys have to feed their families. You know, they have to send many, money back home, you know, support them. So, like, you know, it was a very downfall for us and for them, too. Yeah. You know, they're the ones that help us build our businesses. If it wasn't for them, you know, who are we going to go to? For sure. Yeah. So the first course, actually, we're going to... What it is, it is a Hungarian dish. Okay. It is uh, called a palaschinta. What it is, it's thinner than a crepe. Wow. It's a very thin crepe. It's filled with smoked trout and a uh, Hungarian-type pesto called fuze. So the Austro-Hungarian Empire, part of Turkey, they use the same ingredients. It's uh, smoked paprika, it's chopped dill, oil, a little garlic. So fuze is mixed in it, and it's served with a typhal cream. Wow. So typhal cream is a Hungarian cream. It's lighter than a sour cream. Sour cream base is lighter than that. And then we set it off with a lemon apricot zinc. So you have the sweet, the tartness, and everything combined. So this is a start off to a little tiny thing. So wow. let me see. I'm excited. So just that <laughs> explanation alone, you know? Right, it gets me all juiced. Oh my wow. God, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Wow. Yeah, get a close up. The, the thing that I actually want to let everybody know, you know, there's, there's a lot of companies, there's a lot of things out there that, you know, sometimes customers don't know or whatever it is, but we're not one of those companies. We are a very specialized, uh, very experiential company that actually we are going to make a difference. Uh, I say that confidently because as more and more people realize that this is something really different yeah. and it's amazing in flavors and all that you're getting a total total bang for your buck yeah yeah i think so the experience you know it's just i think next level oh yeah. absolutely i remember travis telling me oh yeah man we're gonna we're gonna do a podcast on a yacht and i'm like what like how is this gonna work he's like trust me my girlfriend just took me like and i was like i'm already like excited for it and i was yeah. walking up and i'm like oh wow this is just this is yeah, amazing. Yeah, you thought you were going to go in the little other boat. There was a trawler, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, this is totally different. Because we have access to bigger boats, and a lot of people are actually coming on and realizing, like, wow, we have access to all of this. Yes, we do. Yeah. We're looking to sign up, at some point, 20 more boats. Wow. We're going forward with this, and uh, we got a lot of people believing in us, helping us, and we believe in ourselves, right? Yeah, definitely. And pretty soon, customers are going to believe in us, too. Yeah. You guys yeah. do. So oh, yeah. Already. Oh, yeah. Firm All right, guys. So the second course is, we call it Agua Chile. It's basically from Mexico. Yes, yes. It's uh, a cucumber-based, take it a leche, you know, ceviches from Peru. So basically, what we have, we have, uh, we have, uh, Fresh coastal scallops, basically the scallops I uh, marinated in lime first to cook. And then I did a cucumber, basically take a leche, jalapenos, onions, and uh, avocados in it. And then you have, uh, traditionally Mexicans, they eat everything raw. So there's uh, raw red onions, 
raw cucumbers and there is shrimp chips. Shrimp chips might be a little soggy because it incorporates a lot with the sauce. But yeah, that's what it is. And I just hit it with a little uh, salt. That's it. Uh, so I know this is probably a, your favorite question or a question you probably hate. But like for both of you, what really got you inspired to be a chef? Make a long story short, I was inspired at age five. I would always see my mother cooking in the kitchen, you know, because I come back from a, I come from a Palestinian and kind of a Greek background, right? And uh, you know, when I, I was a kid, I was always in the kitchen, you know. And you know, you know, moms, you know, you know, either like you know, a Greek mother or a black mother, or you know, Asian American mother, they always push the kids out. Oh, you know, this is always a woman's war, you know. So that's like kind of inspired me. But I didn't get my foot in the door until 2000. I went to City College, did the Jew program, and just busted my hump and just worked my way up. Yeah. That's like, I love food. I mean, you know, it's in my family. My mom's cooks, my uncle cooks. My grandmother was a cook for the council in, uh, in Israel. So it's just a lot. Nice. Well, there we go. What about you, Heyman? Uh, actually, started at a very, very early age. Uh, obviously, I was a handful. My mom sent me away to go live with my grandma. When I was three, but I was grandma's pet, and uh, she'd put me on the table, and I watched her cook, and she was an amazing, amazing cook. She cooked and made ama amazing French desserts, all kinds of things, Indian, uh, Greek, whatever. She made it all, and it was so delicious, right? And as a kid, sitting, sitting on that table, watching her do this, and later on, when I was about seven, eight, nine, when, my, when I was looking back with my parents, they would go out, they were great entertainers. We would go out to amazing restaurants at the time. Uh, we would eat in some of the best hotels. When I was, that, at that point, we were living in Singapore. So, we, and Singapore is a foodie place, right? And all amazing hotels, everything. Look at the Marina Bay Sands, chili crab, all that stuff, right? So we would go and eat in European restaurants, in French restaurants, in Austrian restaurants, you name it. My parents were always entertaining, so I went out at a very young age, I developed this taste for it. And then when I went to England, finally, after going back, you know, doing my high school, back to England, did my thing, went to law school, and I worked in restaurants. And that was a great start. I started working in restaurants, and once again, all these, in the recesses of my brain, came all these flavor profiles, and it just, yeah, it, I just never looked back. And then when I came to the States, I uh, loved it. And uh, it was, I remember 1982, July 26, 1982, I came to California and it was so friendly, so entirely different from, from England. Stodgy, cold England, and here's California sunshine. You walk down the street, everyone's looking at you, nodding their heads like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. How's it going? High five, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Everyone's high five. I go, what a place, this is dynamic. <laughs> so I found a way to stay. I actually went and enrolled in Cal State East Bay. By the time it was Cal State Haywood. And once again, I started getting back into cooking and I shelved my university thing. And I just got back to cooking and everything gelled. So it was a pull towards that always, right? Um, and just watching you two, um, do you think, you know, being a chef, you have to be quick on your feet as far as like finding that solution right away? Hey, oh, we don't yeah. have this. Let's make it happen. Like, I mean, I've been in situations where you got, uh, you know, big hotels like the Mark Hopkins and you got banquets flying off and high teas coming on exactly like four o'clock, 
3.30, like half the sandwiches are not made and you got reservations for like 400 people, you're, you're flying. You make decisions on the fly. You don't stop because there's no time for things burning. You yeah. just got to find solutions. That's all part of leadership skills. So when we make decisions, we make precise decisions because you know how it works. Boom. We fall back on our own skill level. Tell people, push them, just start directing traffic. So we get it, good deeds, this, this, you do that, 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 you do that, 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 boom, next thing it comes together. Four o'clock, guests would never know. They would go like, man, this is amazing high tea, but behind the scenes, everyone would go like, man, it was difficult. You, right? just, you just have to push really hard. And, uh, you know, in the culinary business, you know, I learned it, you know, sometimes, you know, when you get pushed so hard, you know, you just have to hold your ground with your cooks. Because, you know, if you fall off, your cooks are going to fall off with you. So you got to keep the momentum. And there's sometimes, too, there's a thing called, you know, like in the slang, YOLO or winging it. Yeah. You know, that's what we, you know, we do sacrifice. You got to wing it yeah. in order, you know, to make it. I mean, like, you know, there's sometimes you're so busy. Oh, chef, I run out of this. I'm like, I don't care what you're running. You better go back into the walk and find whatever and bring it back to me. And I'll make it work. Yeah. So you just have to kind of, like Raymond said, you've got to be a leader. You got to figure things out fast. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know. So, I mean, that's, that's how... Um, that's how cooking is. Cooking is almost like... Trial by fire every day. Yeah. <laughs> cooking is almost basically like playing basketball or, or soccer or baseball. Like, you got to strike the person out or, you know, how I'm going to shake this person to make that three-pointer or how I'm going to move that goal. So that's how it is. It's all uh, tactics, like military. So yeah. That's how it is. Art of um, war. I love how you guys can relate, you know, what you do to, to, to everything almost. Yeah. You know? that's- <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it's a long time of working in the restaurant business. <laughs> well, I think a, a, a nice thing about, too, what you guys have going on now is a lot of, it sounds like, the stressors or, you know, that fire that's within a restaurant when you're dealing with huge cover numbers like 400 or maybe 500 a night and then, you know, a whole team. Within this type of setting, you know, with the yacht experiences, it really allows you guys to be a little bit more relaxed yeah you know which i think is much needed for a chef's health you yeah, know it's not too much pressure yeah i mean you work in some hotels you're doing 1500 3000 in the weekend and then we know how much hard work it takes yeah but then you tell us to scale back and do this incredible experience for six paying guests <laughs> yeah we have focused all that energy and all that skill on that little thing that's why you guys get like wow the food's amazing right? yeah because we are not the cooks we are the actual chefs preparing it for our guests, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. curating and, you know, uh, creating the experience from and start un- to finish. And unlike working in restaurants where, like, you're doing 500 seconds per cover, your brain's all over the place, right? You're not, you're, you're only paying attention to, oh, I want to get this out, do this, do that. But like here, an experience when you have, like, six guests, you're actually connecting with them, talking to them, kind of being, you know, an influence. Like, yeah, this is what represents me. This, this, is, what, this is what it does. So it's more realistic just to have uh an experience yeah. there's a lot of chefs that do like um they have their own chef tables in the restaurant yeah they'll have like a you know like a menu special course menu where you know five six seven people will sit you know the chef will kind of talk about his background stuff like that so it's 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 unique thing man this is actually from all the restaurants i've worked at this is probably the most unique chill for me where i get to interact with the guests and do my own kind of food yeah, yeah. where i don't have to be oh you know we got to do this we got to i'm like no 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 i'm yeah. doing my own thing Tell me, what, tell me how you guys deal with the pressure, you know what I mean, as far as, like, outside of this space, right? I think about, like, you know, working with a 400, uh, 400 guests inside of this restaurant, and everyone's here. 
Now, how do you guys cope with like that pressure? Because it's uh, a lot of pressure, right? You you have to stand your grounds and suck it up, and you, your mind has to be focused. It's uh, you have to, because like I said in the beginning, if you go down, all your cooks are gonna go down. Like you know, you're gonna get that weird look. You just have to be prepared. It's like art of war. You have to be prepared for everything. You know, once you know you do that four hundred covers and you get slammed, you do it all all over again the next the next day. You know, so it's 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 just it's, you just have to be uh, humble. You have to be passionate. That's what I think in food, and you really have to like be really really like accurate in what you're putting out and what you're doing. You got to be on the cooks. You know, you always you know like I tell you, there's a couple, there's a lot of times I've never ever ever had to do anything where I played it where I never tasted it, and I make sure that all my guys taste it. Because if they don't taste it, they're just gonna put stuff up. You're gonna get bad feedback. So you gotta be in the mode, man. That's like that's how it is. Well, they say if you can't take the heat, yeah, yeah. don't don't get out of the kitchen. <laughs> yep. Well, and, and I know um, too. It's a you almost probably have to get in because I came from a, a fine dining background. It wasn't okay. they actually just got a Michelin plate, which was pretty exciting. Yeah. But uh, nothing like a three Michelin star, but still a very talented chef. And a lot of the time when I would be managing and you know like on the line or mm. you know helping out the chefs are almost in like a trance in a certain sense. Like it's a flow state yeah. because it seems like if you have any chance to become self-conscious or question your movements, mm -hmm. everything falls apart. Yeah, because if there's four, if the tickets just keep coming, you can't stop. No, you can't stop it. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's overwhelming. I mean, you know, the restaurant business is very tough. There's a lot of, uh, you know, you have to deal with a lot of people. You have to deal with the general manager. You have to yeah. deal with, you know, the owner. You have to deal with the customers. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot. But, you know, like, but, you know, another thing, it's like a 16-hour, 15-hour thing. I mean, I was doing it 14 hours. I was only making like 30, 47,000 as a sous chef. That's nothing, bro. And, you know, I would go in at 9. I'd go home at 1 o'clock in the morning. Or, you know, it's, it's tough. It's not easy. That's a pyramid scheme. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, 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 that's the ultimate pyramid scheme because yeah. if you're the chef, you're making the bank. Yeah, yeah. And if you're the guys, you just, it just goes all the way down, right? Yeah. So how about this and this platform? We are trying to level the playing field. Yeah. Chefs, we want chefs to do this. Uh, it'll be not uncommon for a chef to, to probably make over $120,000 a year. Wow. They, they can if all the bookings go and fly out the door because people love this experience. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's minimum. Yeah. Plus, you get tips and stuff that people can make a decent living. Yeah. Part-time, we know somebody in, in this business, uh, one of our former cooks, he's already made, like, in, in three or four months, he's already made, like, over $40,000 just as a part-time income. Part-time. Yeah. Wow. I will yeah. say, you, you guys bring so much joy and passion and just love. Like, I, I love... When I go somewhere and I get, you know, my meal and it's, it makes me happy, you know, yeah. so just outside looking in or just giving you guys a shout out, yeah. you know, as a person, I really appreciate what you guys do. Thank you. Especially because so, I can't cook either. Oh, no, it's no way. <laughs> so, the, so the next, the next dish, I think you had that before, it was a smoked duck breast, right? Ooh, so I we remember. got a cherry compote. Actually, not a compote. It's, a, it's like, a, uh, like a cherry reduction. It's got a little frisee and bitter green salad. Uh, smoke duck, and then we actually have pickled Moro oranges. It's kind of got a little midis bite to it. And then we serve it with a Parmesan pave. It's a little canel. 
it's hard to relate it, this experience, to anything else. But the, the feeling of connecting with you guys as the chefs, it's almost the same feeling I've gotten before when I go into a really nice bar. There's not that many people. And it's just like me, my girlfriend, and the bartender. Yeah. And the bar, we get a chat with the bartender. They make yeah, us something custom. And it's this fun, unique experience. It is. So every, 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 I think every dish we make is a bespoke dish. Mm. It's not just custom. It's very bespoke. It's like, it's like going to Savile Row and getting a suit made, right? Everything is cut. Everything is paired. Everything is stitched together perfectly. And then you go from there. And the flavors themselves, it's so unique, it's so amazing that you are going for a bespoke meal. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, I think it's a really cool experience too, because like myself, I'm not personally, I'm not a huge big seafood guy, but I do eat seafood. I just don't trust too many people with making it, you know? So there's only, the place I used to work at, I used to eat seafood there. And then with the, the experience when Abigail and I came, I ate it here because it's like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. This is a beautiful experience. You know, it's like if I'm going to try it and I'm going to be able to enjoy it without, you know, uh, fear. And I think that's a really cool part of this whole experience. And I got to tell you, man, that to describe well, after Abigail and I came and had this experience with Chef Heyman, it was so difficult to encapsulate it into an easy, digestible snippet, right? Because I come from the marketing world. It's all about how can I make it? It's easy to understand within the first few seconds, but it's like, you just have to experience it, yeah, you know, because absolutely. it's, it's the food, it's the drink, it's the atmosphere. It's, it's you guys as the chef. It's, you know, even the, we met a couple when we came and I swear to you, I swear to you, it was such like an ideal, one of those moments where like, this is too good to be true, where I was actually questioning. I was like, is this like some sort of double secret double date <laughs> right. that my girlfriend set up so we could meet other couple friends and, you know, expand our circle because yeah. it was just way too ideal. It's like the food was amazing. You were like the stories you were telling were phenomenal. And this couple was amazing. It was just, well, I mean, the thing is chefs have stories, right? We have kitchen stories. We have personal stories. I mean, I, I lived all over the world. I mean, I was born in the far East. I lived in England, traveled to Switzerland, Belgium, Italy. I mean, we, drove around in cars when I was 20 years old, 19. It's just phenomenal, right? But we encapsulate all of that experience. We have a lot of stories to tell, you know, and then we shared stories where someone get like, yeah, I've been to France. Oh, I've been here. Oh, I've been there. It's like, and then you go like, yeah, I remember this, remember that? They go like, yeah, it was amazing, right? You find these common points of connection. That's why I alluded to the fact that this is nothing more than just focused human connection. Yeah. We are so close. And that's what makes the world go around. Yeah. And Travis is we, speaking we, up. We, we break down barriers by two things, by food and wine. <laughs> and we break down by a shared experience Yeah. and cultures. We, we do this. Yeah. This experience is special, right? Because there's no wall. Yeah. You know, there's, the chefs can actually talk and give their personality and speak to, you know, their life experiences, just like you said. So this is a very, very unique situation. I love it. So that's a dish that I also make every now and then. And I alluded to the south of France. It's a very special place for me, the south of France. It's the Camargue region. So it's very famous for the Camargue white horse. It's an ancient breed. And uh, it roams. It still do have wild Camargue horses roaming there. Well, if you got horses and this, what do you have? You have French cowboys. How many of you know this French cowboys? No, I didn't. Okay, so they, they, they're actually called Gardion. 
So Gajo means guardian. And what are they guarding? They are guarding the Gajo de Toho. Toho is toro, bull. So you have this black, ferocious looking bulls like you see in the bull rings, right? Big monster looking bulls. This cowboys with the white horses, all white horses, that's that breed, roping black bulls, right? Oh, wow. And also they have this, someone, well, as I said, a mayor in the 60s decided to cultivate uh, white rice. And he said, let's sustain white rice and see how it goes. But the beautiful thing happened. It cross-pollinated with the wild rice out there and it comes out Kamag red rice. So it is a cross between a wild rice and a regular rice, and it's so delicious, right? So I served this dish called gajon kamagez, steeped in rhone wine, cooked in rhone wine. It's cooked and braised for like three hours, and I use a streaky beef. So we can't get bull beef here, so I try to get a steer meat, like an Angus steer meat. So I cook it with that, and so yeah, I serve with the kamag rice. I use kamag salt. I use rhone wine to, you know, to cook it with. I, I serve all these things, so it's very, very French by nature. Honestly speaking, this type of food, you're not going to see very often in restaurants. These are very different types of, this is what I meant by harnessing the talents of the chefs you have around you, harnessing a different experience, because you'd be hard pressed to find something similar, maybe in a top flight restaurant, like a Michelin star restaurant. But, but then you have people who've already worked there, so they can duplicate a lot of these and use their own creative talent to come up with food combinations that are just amazing, right? Amazing to the palate, it teases the palate, it leaves an impression, you're wanting more, but you only got little bits of it because it's seven course, and then, you know, forces you to say like, let's go back there again, right? Yeah. A lot of the food that is curated within restaurants, a lot of the times they have to think about the bigger demographic, right? It's like, oh, I really want to cook this. I wish I could cook this. But this demographic that we're in within our physical locale of the restaurant might not enjoy it, right? But here it's like you have a very tight-knit, small group where you can really just showcase whatever you want. You don't have to worry about, oh, is the majority going to like it? Is it going to sell? Is our people, you know what I mean? It's, it's We just broke down that wall, right? Yeah. Because... Now we actually see the interaction, we see the reaction, we know what's working, what's not working, so we keep that in mind. And we have, we have honest feedback from guests. So actually, for the amount of uh, experiences we've done, we've never come across anyone, and I like to think people are genuine, that has said like, oh, this just doesn't work for me, or this is awful. Nobody. Everybody's actually given us a Michelin star rating, if you like, it says this is just as good as, you know, we've had people who actually go eat at Atelier Cren in different places, and they go like, this is just as good as, as or better. We have a gentleman that we know, his name is, uh, well, we'll call him Steve, but he owns a marina. He and his wife travel extensively. They go to Paris, they go to Argentina, they go all over the world. They eat in all these Michelin star restaurants. He is obviously a very wealthy guy, he loves it. So we did a private tasting for his wife because she was so curious about this. So we did four of them on my boat. And uh, I saw the same reactions, all of that. And they were just so mesmerized and so astonished that this was available on a boat, right? And so they, I asked them, I just have a question, Steve. Just let me know where in the annals of all your culinary history, where does this lie? Is this really up there in the top restaurant? He said, you know what, him and this is the top, I eat a lot. 
my wife and I will tell you that we all over, we've been to all these different restaurants in San Francisco that are Michelin rated. This is the top five experience we've actually ever had. So coming from Steve, and I was just like, and, and I know Steve, he's not a guy just to toot your horns, right? He's a very, very genuine person. And if he didn't like something, he'll tell you. Because it's constructive criticism, right? But he just loved it, and he rated that. So I looked at Luca, I goes like, oh, no. We just shot the benchmark right here, <laughs> yeah. right? So we've got to keep, and that's what I tell. Once you're on top of that hill, everyone wants to take a pot shot at you, mm. right? They just want to take a pot shot at you. So we just need to steady our course, focus on what we do, and just keep providing that excellent, excellent dining experience for everyone on a board, a board yacht. And that's it. All right, guys. So here we're going Middle Eastern, okay? So this is my take on the food that I represent. So basically, I call it trio eggplant, right? So on the bottom, we got a black garlic, black tahini, charred eggplant puree. We call it baba. And here, we have a thing called, I don't know if you guys, picanha. It's the meat, the top sirloin off the back of the cow. Okay? So this thing is sous vide for about two and a half hours. If you don't know what sous vide is, sous vide just means cooking, submerging in water. One thing I've noticed is, you know, some chefs can, can cook an amazing meal, but the presentation... It's key. It's key. You know, it's, it's, and a lot of them, you know, again, they make amazing food, but, you know, some of the, it just doesn't look that amazing, you know, and I think, I think it really does go a long way because, like, all the dishes so far, and I assume, again, moving forward, are going to be beautiful. Um, cause they yeah, just, that's, that's what we're looking at. Yeah. yeah. The, the, that's the expectation, right? But if someone's going to spend that kind of money, they have to have an expectation yeah. behind it. Food has to look like a million dollars, just yeah, like, you know. Yeah, serving on a million dollar yacht, yeah. it's got to look. Yeah. You got to represent. You got to dress too yeah. on occasions. So, you you know, know. I'm going to get a boat and call me. I'm going to like, oi, this looks like something got in a diner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not the fitting of my boat, right? Yeah. yeah. So I got to answer to the guy. <laughs> well, and that's a, a big thing when I, I used to help manage the, uh, the restaurant. The chef would always, you know, pour into us like every detail about the dish. Yeah. And, you know, it really does deliver a different experience versus like, hey, here's your steak. Enjoy. Versus like, <laughs> yeah. you know, here, here's yeah. your flank steak that we sous vide for 72 hours yeah. and a, a balsamic reduction with, a, you know, all this extra. St- yeah. You know, lo- local yeah. you know, from this farm. Yeah. yeah it's like they, we know the farm. Know. Yeah. It's like we were at the farmer's market this morning and these are fresh picked, or, yeah. you know. Yeah. I can't wait to, to tell people about it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. man, I was just here, Chef Heyman, Chef Lucas. Like, you don't understand. You got to try this. Like, yeah. that's, you know, spreading the word. And Well, totally. I mean, that's what we really like and appreciate because I think people don't know us. You know, our marketing thing, you know, was a bit of a setback in a bit. But moving forward, we just need to capture that momentum again. And I think if we do, it's just people are missing out. We, honestly, people are missing out. Yeah. You know, in this... This is not the same. We can change it tomorrow to a different menu. And the next, every day could be a different menu. So we're very, very, how do you say, we're actually very blessed that all the food you ate today is organic. Because our costs are not, not like big restaurant costs, right? Yeah, so. Restaurants are mired with all kinds of taxes and this and that and food costs and labor costs. And so people run it the way they do and it's consistency has been a problem. Yeah. But here, you don't have a consistency issue because it's chefs doing it. Yeah. Chefs directly doing it. Yeah. So we're not leaving it up to a cook. It's chefs doing it. 
And what happens is, in the end, you have something that's very harmonious. You know, it's pleasure-seeking, yeah. and yeah. it does its job, I think. So I think people just need to know about us. Yeah. People need to, you know, we need, we're on a program to market, but if everyone else can collaborate with us and help us market this, I think this will be explosive. I want, I want this to go not just the West Coast, I want this to go national. Yeah. I want this, every marina will help every marine industry. All the people, all the food service folks, we will help them out. And then eventually go around the world. I have people in Australia, in Singapore, in, in Italy, in France, waiting for this to go there. Because I have a marine world connection with a lot of boaters, right? And they're waiting for us to actually land on their shores. So imagine going to Italy. You can wrap around many, many concepts behind this. You can wrap up a travel, gastronomic travel, right? A culinary adventure. Yeah. Go to different boats. Maybe you stay on those different boats and you have different chefs going around the world. Yeah. Why not? If you like boats, that'd be a great way to go. I mean, I have a dozen, as my wife said, that's all harebrained schemes, right? <laughs> I go like, well, honey, it's not a scheme if it's people are enjoying it, right? Yeah, yeah. And she goes like, well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of almost can compare it to Uber. Right, we well, you know how Uber like, and, and not to like compare it to Uber. Obviously, yeah, it's completely yeah. different. Thank you. But Uber totally, you know, took over the whole change the game, change the game with with taxis, right? But you think about a restaurant and, and their chefs. You're literally giving chefs a whole new dynamic to to creatively control the yeah. way they cook. You know, cook for for guests. I I I don't think it's an affront if you were to mention Travis Kalanick, because I like Travis a lot. He is a pioneer. He's an innovator. I like innovation. Uh, what we are doing is innovative. It's very cutting edge. Sure. Uh, everything, it's new. Yeah. Nobody's really, you know, even the boaters are like, oh, I've been a boater for 30 years. I've never had this, this yeah. before. It is innovative. Yeah. What, what is the word you mentioned earlier on? Uh, revolutionary. Revolutionary. Yeah, yeah, that's what so I said. It is revolutionary because this is a very new concept. You know, cooked up in my head. Uh, you know, I, it took me eight years to come this far. I never, how do you say, gave up on it. I was, I mean, yeah, I was the founder, the CVO, Chief Vision Officer, CEO for my first company, you know, moving forward. Yes, I think. We can totally connect with everyone and anyone in the boating industry, with customers who love this kind of experience, with anyone else. You're going to get a real bang for your deal, yeah. for sure. You're not going to get anything like this anywhere else. No. Imagine proposing your girlfriend in this. Yeah. Oh, man. And I'm taking the video. Go like, yeah. I'm a part of this. I'll do a selfie. I was yeah. a part of this. Go, yeah, yeah. see you here next year yeah. for your anniversary. And pretty right? soon you'll tell us to get out. We need to use the room. <laughs> right. <so. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've been to a few omakases, uh-huh. and this is way better, man. This is way better. Like, and I guess it's just like an omakase, almost like an omakase style, right? Because you have the chef yeah. cooking yeah. for you, but well, like the conversation and everything, it's so yeah. real and pure. Well, I mean, so the thing is, I, I love Japanese food. It is very simple. Uh, Japanese food relies on very, very fresh ingredients. And, and I don't know if a lot of people know, but they actually do salt cure the fish in order to kill the parasites and stuff of like that. They wash it really thoroughly and then they salt cure it and wash it off and then they pat it really dry and, and they kind of process it that way and then they cut slivers out of it. That's why sometimes see sushi, it has a fresh taste, briny taste, because it's the salt, the curing of it helps out. So I think 
you know, I don't know how many people really realize that because they go out and go like, oh, we like sushi, sushi, great. I love sushi, believe me. My son and I, Nathan, is six foot five, ex-U.S. Marine guy, and my other son, Nate, uh, Devin, who is six foot four in the Air Force, when they come down, it's going to be a $200 bill, right? Because they would just scuff through all that yeah. sushi. But here's the thing. Sushi, they buy from the same vendors. You know, there's like five or six vendors that people buy their fish from. Everyone buys fresh fish because that's how sushi chefs are trained. Mm -hmm. So it's how they prepare it. But if you look at the fish, the flavor profile is the same. Mm -hmm. You know, hamachi is going to taste hamachi. Maguro is going to taste maguro, right? So it's the little sauce and the touch that you do it, or your rice is very important, but it's seaweed. It's seaweed, fish, rice, and then the little sauce it goes around. Right. So it's a very simple cuisine, but it relies on freshness. But for us, this is not simple. This is very, very symphonic yeah. because it's the meshing of flavors. That it, this is literally a higher level type of cuisine, yeah. right? Yeah. This is very, how do you say, very innovative Western culture food. Yeah. It's, uh, we elevate it. We are, we are used, we in California, we are blessed. I don't care if you come from Oakland because there's some amazing restaurants in Oakland that I go to. The food is amazing. I'm an East Bay kid, all right? So hey, we're you're with, right. <laughs> I've got a lot of good friends who are African-Americans, and, you know, one of my really good friends is Marvin. He's a U.S. Marine Special uh, Law Enforcement Officer. So he goes out and busts people on AWOL and stuff like that. Wow. So Marvin's a boater, too. So I'm about to meet Marvin, and he's really big. I want him to be my bodyguard. <laughs> I want him to be my bodyguard. He's really a... Gentle John, amazing pianist. I'll tell you what, he loves to eat food. He loves boats. And you know what? We're all East Bay kids. We all grew up here. I mean, when I came here, I came to Haywood, California first. You're from the East Bay. Yeah. yeah. So don't knock it, right? Heck yeah. Don't knock <laughs> it. Nice. You're from Pleasanton, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. All those East Bay guys. <laughs> so, like me, I. I well, he's the odd one out. No, no, yeah. I'm, I'm from Frisco. I ain't got no doubt on my home. <laughs> thing that. The thing that really struck me when I first came here to the U.S. in July 26, 1982, <laughs> I'll never forget that day, it was the, the, the diversity in California. Yeah. Literally, we are bits and pieces of our heritage, mm -hmm. yeah. all of us. Our ethnic backgrounds, Italians, Germans, you name it, Middle Eastern, Indians, Chinese, Japanese, we bring something, we brought something, Koreans, all of us, we brought yeah. something to this state. We brought something to the food scene. We Americans, all of us, 100%. That's what. That's what. Yeah, it's all we about, all come right? from a different melting pot from all over the world. Yeah, there's very few things that can keep me distracted from uh, from work. <laughs> from eating. Yeah, <laughs> food. <laughs> and the troubles of life, but this is one of those experiences, you know, where it's just like. I don't even know what is happening. I'm sure I have yeah. something to do after this, but. I'm happy you said that, Travis, because I want you guys to both think about this, Chef Heyman, Chef yeah. Lucas. I forgot that I manage a store. Uh -huh. I forgot that my girlfriend's at my place. <laughs> I forgot that I want to play golf later today. Seriously, I've been here just in the moment, really listening to you guys and really just enjoying what you guys have prepared for us. So, like, that's another thing to think about. Like, I've, I've just totally escaped everything else, and I've just been here in this moment enjoying this experience. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what everyone else is going to really enjoy about this as well. It's just, yeah. Makes you forget your troubles. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> if I ever start dating again, obviously I have a girlfriend, but man, 
Oh, oh yeah, talk about an easy yeah. first date. It's an man. easy first date right that's here. It's a, a home run, bro. <laughs> I'm like, geez, if everyone needs to know about, especially yeah. single guys, if they don't know about this, I mean, they need to because. I, I guess, I guess <laughs> the thing is, you, you see, people have lost the art of dining. Yeah. People are so busy lives. They just like that's why all these uh, food companies that package foods for people pick up or the deliver kind of thing. That's why they're flourishing, because they don't have the time. But when you do find the time to do that with your friend, it be, your friends or your family that you love, and your loved ones, it becomes very experiential. And you're doing the same thing that you used to do in Italy, in a farm table where you had 12 mm -hmm. people sitting down there. That's what I'm trying to create here, the same kind of uh, mindset. You can do this. You can take the time off. You can smell the coffee. You can really mm -hmm. enjoy yourself with your friends and family and just like have this dynamic experience. If you do that more often, maybe people will realize what is really important and then refocus. It, it has to be. And you can't continue at this breakneck pace and just something's going to give, right? And this is a good opportunity too for especially uh, chefs that, you know, that want to get their, you know, their, you know, their, their self-recognizer, their name out. You know, uh, it's a good opportunity. You know, if they're tired of, they want to do something else, they want to do their own menu, they want to, kind of showcase it's a good it's a good experience and i highly highly recommend it for people that are that want to you know, do you this kind to, of experience you, you don't have to start full time yeah, start part time part time see if it brings value to you see if it's something that you really don't want to do because the last thing you want is to hire somebody full time and they just like oh no man that's not what i want yeah no do it part time go from there well, thank you guys so oh, much for having us. So much. Love it. Again, second time experiencing this, and it was just as amazing as the first, but a completely unique experience every time, at least through my experiences. Yeah, you got a little Middle Eastern, you got a little Italian, you got French, you got kind of all next, over the next place. Next time you're going to go in a different boat, and a different boat, yeah, and a different yeah. environment. Yeah. Different, right? Yeah.